uh, I think most people in evangelicalism, when they see a squirrel, thinks of Gene Clyde. It's really strange when you think about it. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Thursday, September 15th, 2022. And this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast that is dedicated primarily to the public reading of scriptures and secondarily to my thoughts on various topics of the day. And today being Thursday, our topic is Theology Thursday, and we are continuing to go through the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, and we are going to be looking at paragraph 2 of chapter 8 of Christ the Mediator today. Our scripture reading for today is Isaiah 56 through 59, Psalm 70, and 1 Corinthians 16. Before we begin, before we begin, slur my words together there. Before we begin, I wanted to remind you that Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Please go to ChristianPodcastCommunity.org, check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to, and I commend the uh, the uh, network to you. All right, let us begin, as is our habit, with the Prayer of Confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, now Isaiah chapter 56. Thus says Yahweh, Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. How blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who takes hold of it, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to Yahweh say, Yahweh will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says Yahweh, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, to them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better 
than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Also the foreigners who join themselves to Yahweh, to minister to him and to love the name of Yahweh, to be his slaves, every one who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and takes hold of my covenant. Even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them glad in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. Lord Yahweh, who gathers the banished of Israel, declares, Yet others I will gather to them, to those already gathered. All you beasts of the field, all you beasts of the forest, come to eat. His watchmen are blind. All of them know nothing. All of them are mute dogs unable to bark, dreamers lying down who love to slumber. And the dogs have a strong appetite. They do not know satisfaction. And they are shepherds who do not know understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each one to his greedy gain, to the last one. Come, they say, let us take wine and let us drink heavily of strong drink. And tomorrow will be like today, beyond exceedingly great. Chapter 57 The righteous man perishes, and no man puts it upon his heart. And men of loving kindness are gathered away, while no one understands. For the righteous man is gathered away from evil. He enters into peace. They rest in their beds, each one who walked in his upright way. But draw near, you sons of a soothsayer, seed of an adulterer and a prostitute. Against whom do you jest? Against whom do you open wide your mouth and stick out your tongue? Are you not children of transgression, seeds of lying? Who inflame yourselves among the oaks, under every green tree, who slaughter the children in the ravines, under the clefts of the cliffs, among the smooth stones of the ravine? Is your portion? They are your lot. Even to them you are poured out a drink offering. You have made a grain offering. Shall I relent concerning these things? Upon a mountain, lofty and lifted up, you have made your bed. You also went up there to offer sacrifice. Behind the door and the doorpost you have set up your memorial. Indeed, far removed from me, you have uncovered yourself. You have gone up and made your bed wide, and you have cut a covenant for yourself with them. You have loved their bed. You have looked on their manhood. You have journeyed to the king with oil and increased your perfumes. You have sent your envoys a great distance and have made them go down to Sheol. You were tired out by the length of your road, yet you did not say it is hopeless. You found renewed strength, therefore you did not faint. Of whom were you anxious and fearful? When you lied and did not remember me, nor even put me upon your heart. Was I not silent even for a long time, so that you do not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your deeds, and they will not profit you. When you cry out, let your collective idols deliver you, collection of idols deliver you, but the wind will lift up all of them, and a breath will take them away. But he who takes refuge in me will inherit the land, and will possess my holy mountain." And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus says the, the one high and lifted up, who dwells forever, whose name is holy. 
I dwell on a holy and high place, and also with the crushed and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the crushed. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would grow faint before me, and the breath of those whom I have made. Because of the iniquity of his greedy gain, I was angry and struck him. I hid my face and was angry, and he went on turning away in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and pray him, lead him and pay him, and his mourners in full with comfort, creating the praise of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far and to him who is near, says Yahweh, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up refuse and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Chapter 58 Call out from your throat, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and find pleasure in knowing my ways as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the judgment of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments. They find pleasure in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we afflicted our souls and you do not know? Behold, on the day of your fast you find your desire and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and quarreling and strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast like this which I choose, a day for a man to afflict himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed? and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to Yahweh? Is this not the fast which I chose, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to release the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry, to bring the afflicted homeless into the house? When you see the naked, you cover him, and do not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will break out like a dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of Yahweh will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and Yahweh will answer. You will cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, and if you offer your soul to the hungry and satisfy the soul of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your thick darkness will become like midday. And Yahweh will continually guide you and satisfy your soul in scorched places and fortify your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient waste places. You will raise up the foundations of past generation upon generation, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths for one to inhabit. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot or do, from doing your own desire on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of Yahweh honorable, and honor it by not doing your own ways, by not finding your own desire and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in Yahweh, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the inheritance of Jacob your father, for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. 
chapter 59. Behold, the hand of Yahweh is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken a lie, your tongue mutters unrighteousness. No one calls in righteousness, and no one speaks justice in truth. They trust in confusion and speak worthlessness. They conceive trouble and give birth to wickedness. They break open vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed a snake breaks forth. Their webs will not become a garment, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of wickedness, and a deed of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they are quick to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of wickedness. Devastation and destruction are in their highways. They do not know the way of peace, and there is no justice in their tracks. They have made their paths crooked. Whoever treads on them does not know peace. Therefore justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, but behold darkness, for brightness, but we walk in thick darkness. We grope along the wall like blind men. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday as in the twilight. Among those who are vigorous, we are like dead men. All of us growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins answer against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgressing and denying Yahweh and turning back from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving in and uttering from the heart lying words. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the street, and righteousness cannot enter. So it is that truth is missing, and he who turns aside from evil makes himself blunder. Then Yahweh saw, and it was evil in his size, that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man, and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. According to what they deserve, so he will pay in full. Wrath to his adversaries, what is deserved to his enemies. To the coastlands he will pay what they deserve. So they will fear the name of Yahweh from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of Yahweh makes flee. A redeemer will come to Zion, and to those who turn away from transgression in Jacob, declares Yahweh. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says Yahweh. My spirit, which is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your seed, nor from the mouth of your seed's seed, says Yahweh, for now and forever. And now Psalm 70. For the choir director of David to bring to remembrance. O God, hasten to deliver me. O Yahweh, hasten to my help. Let those be ashamed and humiliated who seek my life. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in evil against me. 
Let those turn back because of their shame who say, Aha, aha. Let those be joyful and glad in you, all who seek you. And let them say continually, Let God be magnified, those who love your salvation. But I am afflicted and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my protector. O Yahweh, do not delay. And now 1 Corinthians 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do I you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to set aside something, saving whatever he has prospered, so that no collections be made when I come. And when I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gracious gifts to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timothy comes... Take care that he is with you without fear, for he is doing the Lord's work as I also am. So let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brothers. Now concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brothers, and it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, Act like men, be strong, and let all you do be done in love. Now I exhort you, brothers, you know the household of Stephanus, that they were the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves for service to the saints, that you also be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work and labors. And I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus, and Achaicus, because they have supplied what is lacking on your part, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore recognize such men. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Prisca greet you heartily in the Lord, with the church that is in their house. All the brothers greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The greeting is in my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Maranatha. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love, may, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. And now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, 
neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, it is Theology Thursday. We are continuing to look at the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. We are in chapter 8 of Christ the Mediator, and this morning we're looking at paragraph 2. The Son of God, the second person in the Holy Trinity, being very and eternal God, the brightness of the Father's glory, of one substance and equal with him who made the world, who upholds and governs all things he has made, did, when the fullness of time was complete, take upon him man's nature, with all the essential properties and common infirmities of it, yet without sin, being conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit coming down upon her, and the power of the Most High overshadowing her, and so was made of a woman of the tribe of Judah, of the seed of Abraham and David, according to the Scriptures, so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. Again, we have a great deal of theology here. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the hypostatic union where in Christ we have the, the, the union of man and God in, in an incomprehensible way. Um, and, and we really can't, we can, we can understand that this is what Bible, the Bible teaches, yet at the same time, it is beyond our understanding. Our little finite minds have a hard time grasping this. The Son of God, the second person in the Holy Trinity, being very and eternal God, the brightness of the Father's glory, of one substance and equal with him who made the world, who upholds and governs all things he has made, did, when the fullness of time was complete, take upon him man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmities of it. The Bible teaches that we have one God who is eternally existent in three co-equal persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, this is a difficult concept to grasp. This is not something that the, arose from the mind of man. This is something that is revealed in scriptures, and it is a difficult truth. It's literally mind-boggling. But... God the Son became a man, yet the two natures are eternally distinct. He is fully God, and he is fully man. Yeah, boggles the mind, doesn't it? We're given some scriptural proofs here. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, the Word became man. You know, that, that whole passage at the beginning of the Gospel of John. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amazing truth. Galatians 4.4 But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus had to be born as a human because he was to represent all humanity who would put their faith in him for the forgiveness of their sins. He had to become a human to live the perfect life, the perfect human life that we can't live. Now, the Gnostics had an idea of of what we call a dualist idea, that there is the spirit and there is the flesh. And the spirit is good, but the flesh is evil. Therefore, Jesus could not truly become flesh because the flesh was evil. That's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture clearly teaches us that Jesus became flesh. He became human. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became a human. He lived a human life. He lived the perfect human life that we can't live. He was righteous from conception until death. And, of course, prior and after. But he lived the perfect human life we can't live. He was born of a woman. He was born under the law, yet without sin. And that is so important. Because we needed a perfect, spotless righteousness with which to be clothed in order to stand before our God in heaven. Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. The law could not save us because we are incapable of keeping it. Christ could and did keep it. And in doing so, he condemned sin in the flesh. And he was the offering for sin. The perfect spotless lamb, our Passover. So that we, covered in his blood, have God's judgment pass over us. He condemned sin in the flesh. He was the perfect offering for sin. Hebrews 2.14 Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. I, I, I am convinced that when the Lord died on the cross, Satan thought he had won. Remember, Satan is the father of lies. We think of that in the fact that he deceives the nations and he deceives people. And that's true. But he also deceives himself. He lies to himself. I think to this day, he still thinks he can win. Even though he knows the scriptures better than you or I. He knows what's been predicted, but he still thinks he's going to find a way to foil God's plans. He won't. 
and on the cross, he rendered, he being Christ, rendered Satan powerless. Because death now for the Christian is a blessing, not a curse. Death has no victory. Death has no sting. The, the Christian passes from life into life. We leave this world and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And someday he will return and we will be restored to glorified bodies that are, that are going to be amazing. The cross rendered Satan powerless. What an amazing thing. Hebrews 2, 16 and 17. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Again, in order to save humanity, we needed a sinless human sacrifice. In order to have a merciful and faithful high priest to represent man before God, we needed Christ to be a man. But in order for him to be that perfect high priest, he had to be God because only God can be perfect. And so God became a man. Hebrews 4.15 for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin. Um, we discussed this verse quite a bit uh, when I took a class in Christology a couple of years ago. Or last fall? Was it only been last fall? Anyway, <laughs> taking Christology, or maybe it was in the spring. I'm not sure now. Time blends together. As my wife says, that's a curse of being old. Um, things blend together. You can't remember details or, or certain things. But anyway, in class with Dr. Strand on Christology, we discussed this verse. Because we discussed temptation and sin and the fact that humanity, we, with our sinful nature, are subject to external temptations things around us that tempt us. But fallen humanity is also subject to internal temptations. We have a sinful flesh. Christ did not have a sinful flesh. Therefore, he was not subject to internal temptations. But he was subject to every external temptation that you and I are. Yet he did it without sin. But he understands us. He understands when we are drawn into covetousness when we see something. He understands when we're drawn into unwholesome thoughts. He, he understands these things even though he never fell prey to them he still experienced the temptation so that he can sympathize with us. Uh, the, the, the experience of Christ is important. That he lived that Christian life. 
as a human. He lived the, the human life, perfectly worshiping God, perfectly obeying the law. He was tempted in all things, just like we are, yet he never succumbed to temptation. The next clause, back to the 1689, being conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit coming down upon her, and the power of the Most High overshadowing her, and so was made of a woman of the tribe of Judah, of the seed of Abraham and David, according to the Scriptures. The Lord was conceived and born in a specific bloodline according to the prophecies that were given of old, that he would be a son of Abraham, a son of Isaac, a son of Jacob, a son of Judah, a son of David. Specifically, this family. So that everything would be fulfilled. God's prophecies have been and will be perfectly fulfilled. Each and every one of them. Matthew 1, 22 and 23. Now all this took place in order that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Luke 1, 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Luke 1, 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Luke 1, 35. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. The virgin birth is very important. First, of course, it is the fulfillment of prophecy. It establishes the proper bloodline, the, the fulfillment of that prophecy. But Christ was born of a woman, but not of the seed of a man. He did not inherit Adam's sin nature nor was Adam's guilt imputed to him, except at the cross. So, we look at the virgin birth, and we understand that God had to become man, and he had to be born of a woman. This harkens all the way back to Genesis 3, when God said to Satan, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. It refers to Christ. It's, it's, a, it's a foreshadowing of the virgin birth. Finally, the last clause. So that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. Two whole, perfect, distinct natures. The, the divine nature and the human nature were inseparably joined together in the person of Jesus Christ so that he is fully divine and fully human. 
This was done without conversion, meaning that the divine nature did not become human. It's without composition, meaning that Christ, while having two natures, does not have parts. He's not a composite being. He's not half human and half God. He is fully God and fully human. He's not composed of parts, part human, part God. And there's no confusion of the natures. His divine nature is not confused with his human nature. He's not schizophrenic. He doesn't have some sort of multiple personality disorder. He is one divine person, one human person in perfect and inseparable unity. He, he did not cease to be human at his resurrection and ascension. He is and always will be fully God and fully man. He says, this person is very God and very man. Yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. Romans 9, 5. And from whom is the Christ, according to the flesh, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. It's referring to the fact that Jesus is descended from the lines of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That he is the Christ according to the flesh, yet he is God over all. Amen. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is the only mediator between man and God, between God and man. There's no other. Mary is not a co-redemptrix. She is not a co-mediator. There, there's no other mediator. This is why prayer to the saints is such a silly idea and, and is, is so unscriptural. Um, just so much of the Church of Rome's errors derive from not understanding that there is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ. All right. The hypostatic union, the divine nature of God and man. Let me read the whole paragraph again just to, to set it in our mind. The Son of God, the second person in the Holy Trinity, being very and eternal God, the brightness of the Father's glory, of one substance and equal with him who made the world, who upholds and governs all things he has made, did, when the fullness of time was complete, take upon him man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmities of it, yet without sin, being conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit coming down upon her, and the power of the Most High overshadowing her, and so was made of a woman of the tribe of Judah, of the seed of Abraham and David, according to the Scriptures, so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. Amen and amen. All right, folks, that's Squirrel Chatter for Thursday. I hope you have the best of days. I'll be driving up to Kalispell later today to teach 
Bible study in Ephesians. Looking forward to that. Hope whatever you have planned today goes well. Remember, please, to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.